These are Jesus' words to his disciples from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks, and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way the children of the Most High act, for he is kind to grateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. The word of the Lord. Well, this is my second time to preach this sermon, and I hope it goes better this time. <laughs> Two different people, as they were greeting me on their way out, said, wow, that was pretty harsh, pretty condemning. And I thought, that's not what I was going for. So, so I want you to be, feel buoyed and inspired today by these words and not, and not otherwise. Words matter, so do actions, and so does the life from which they come. Who we are on the inside spills out in word and deed and reveals who we really are, our character and our nature on the outside. In this collection of Jesus' words, Luke parallels what is referred to in Matthew's gospel as the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew's gospel, it takes up three chapters, chapters 5, 6, and 7. But here in Luke, it's less than one chapter. Uh, now, some of the sayings found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew are spread out in other places in Luke. He just doesn't concentrate them the same way Matthew does. Jesus speaks here of what Eugene Peterson calls foundation words. Words upon which we can build a god honoring life, words that delineate 
what our relationship with God is like and what our relationship with one another is to be. Jesus' words are clear, distinct, and direct. They are noble and lofty. That they are noble and lofty words that when put into action are admirable, but nonetheless seem unrealistic to live by. They are words few speak and even fewer follow. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Now, we might not think we have enemies, yet we're well aware that there are people who oppose us from afar and some even close by. People who do not share our worldview or appreciate our way of life. People who act out their hate, their fear, and their prejudice in acts of anger, hostility, and sometimes violence. We can understand why Jesus says, no more tit for tat. Don't try to get even. Don't try to, to even the score. Contributing to the layers of hurt and hostility, that will do no good whatsoever. But understanding Jesus' words is one thing, doing them is another. How are we supposed to show love to someone who means us harm? We value the golden rule as a maxim of decent human conduct. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Agreed. Let's all live that way. But the examples that Jesus gives are more hard to swallow. If someone strikes you on the cheek, then turn to the offender your other cheek. If someone asks for your coat, then give them your shirt as well. Don't hold back from those who ask help of you. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to go, but Jesus, there's, some, there's sometimes that's not appropriate, right? I mean, if someone has a mental health issue, to, to give something away that's going to be squandered, what's the point of that? If someone is suffering dementia and they ask for something, do, do they really know what they're asking for? If I, if I live that generously towards someone else, then who's going to look after me? If we live the way Jesus is suggesting, we would all suffer injury and hardship. Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar, observes this. The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was about as glorious, uproarious, is all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Guess what? That's how we're supposed to be. Are you starting? I hope you don't feel condemned by that. I hope that's just real. And it's like, yeah. Now I'm beginning to understand what they were referring to. Okay. <laughs> Listen to this. He says, think of, the best, think of the best thing you can do for the worst person you know. 
the best thing you can do for the worst person you know. Wouldn't that be squandering it? Think of people to whom you're tempted to be nasty, his word, not mine, and lavish generosity on them instead. Wow. What kind of call is this? What kind of ideal is this? Who can be so generous? Who can afford to give their life away like that? And why does Jesus ask so much of us? He calls for us to go behind or go beyond human reciprocity. We know how to love those who love us in return. And we certainly know how to do good for those who are going to return the favor. And none of us as good American citizens would ever draw up a contract for lending money without a guaranteed repayment plan, right? And even even when we're inclined to maybe lend money to a family member, we know that that's not a good idea, right? For this very thing. It may not come back the way we expect. And then feelings get hurt and we become critical of one another and... But Jesus says, everyone lives like that. I want you to live differently. I want you to be the exception. I want for us to live a life more startling, more generous, more gracious than that. I don't think Jesus was attempting to provide his followers with a new list of do's and don'ts or some rule book to play by. Rather, he expects for us to live this way from a different center, a transformed heart that doesn't have to worry about protecting and preserving and advancing ourselves because God does that. God takes care of that. We can then choose to live differently, more generously, and love more graciously toward others because we have been treated that way by God. If we do so, then we live in a world and we offer to the world a life that reflects God's nature and God's character, a God who is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. God is generous to all, the deserving and the not-so-deserving. So Jesus sums it up by saying, our Father is kind, so you be kind. Live this way because that is what God is like. I'll remind us that we're made in the image of God, but that likeness has been marred. It's hard to see in so many of us because we've chosen to live independently of God, what the Bible calls sin, to have separated ourselves from God or turned our backs on God. That's the easiest way to describe sin. The good news that Luke writes about is that God provides a way to restore our identity and our relationship with God through the life of Jesus and through the self-sacrificing life of Jesus. Then, as Eugene Peterson translates Jesus' words here, 
Now we may live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. And Jesus doesn't end there. You think, okay, okay. Instead, he goes, sets the bar even higher. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. If all of these statements are too hard to comprehend, I think what Jesus is doing is he says a series of, of, of examples, and then he summarizes it in a sentence, and he does that three times. And you can follow the pattern. It's kind of hard to see it when you read it in paragraph form in the Bible. But when you line it out, you can see grammatically what the structure is like. Very much the way Hebrew poetry follows. And so one of those summaries is treat people the way that you want them to treat you. That summarizes everything that came before. And then the next section is be, um, be gracious the way God is gracious, uh, not gracious. Be compassionate the way your Father is compassionate. That summarizes that section. And then finally, this last one, the portion you give will determine the portion you receive. And then when you take those three statements, they're almost identical. So all of this is a, is, is a summary of a spirit of life that's just slanted differently than the one we've been used to, I think slanted in the right way. This past week, I, I saw the story of, uh, that, had, that had been picked up by radio talk shows and TV networks about the actions of a father in Houston whose son told him that he was being bullied in school by a boy named Tamarin, Tamarion. It's T-A-M-A-R-I-O-N, Tamarion. The father, whose name is Aubrey Fontenot, tracked down the boy. And with permission from his parents, I thought that was an interesting phrase that they added. He was able to talk to this boy, Tamarion, in an effort to prevent him from his continued threats toward his son. Now, I don't know about you, but... I would probably be threatening Tamarion, right? In a tweet, he wrote this. I spent some time with my son's school bully yesterday just to dig a little deeper on why. Come to find out the bully was being picked on. And Aubrey said, by whom? Because he noticed that Tamarion was twice the size of his son, clearly the biggest kid in his class. Who can pick on him? And of course, the obvious thought would be, oh, a parent, right? Someone bigger and older than him. <coughs> Turns out kids at school were making fun of him for not having clean clothes and clean shoes. When Aubrey asked why, he learned that Tamarion's family was going through a hard time and they were currently homeless. 
And Aubrey said, I had to do something. First, he took Tamarian shopping and bought him new clothes and new shoes. And then he set up a GoFundMe account to help raise money for Tamarian's family. At the time I saw the viewing, $24,000 had already been raised for that family. The boys now spend time together as friends. What moved me about this story is that Aubrey's plan was to address the problem one way. He had set out to do something, and that was to somehow change Tamarian. And instead, he was the one who ended up being changed once he learned Tamarian's experience, once he identified with him. He chose to respond differently. That's exactly what Jesus, I don't know if Aubrey Fontenot knows who Jesus is, or, but I guarantee you he's come across his teaching. The only way we're going to live that way consistently, to be oriented toward others and not just living for ourselves and taking care of ourselves, is to have had that change of heart, to have, to have experienced God's grace. You can't live generously. You can't live extravagantly unless you have experienced a transformation of heart. And to live this way depends on believing in a God who is this way. A God who's like this. Have you ever thought about that? That our life choices reflect what we believe. And if we believe God is for everyone, that God loves everyone the same way he loves you and me, that ought to affect how we treat people, right? How we see them. We ought to see them the way God sees them. We ought to respond to them with grace when they expect Something else. Now, I know there are abuses to this. I, I remember a member of this church telling me, who was a landowner, that, that they were trying to settle. He was trying to evict tenants from his house so that he could... Um, I can't remember if he was going to rent it again or they were moving into it. I think they were going to move into it. And, and they were negotiating the, the terms, and it was already contracted. It was already written out, and, and our church member was just simply saying, hey, honor the contract, and this guy says, no. I want to take advantage of you because you're a Christian, and I know a Christian you're supposed to, you're supposed to yield. I'm like, whoa, who said we're supposed to be a doormat? Who said we're supposed to be abused? And yet Jesus says it's a choice each of us can make. And sometimes we're going to get it right and sometimes we're not. But do we live generously? Do we love graciously the way we are treated by God? Are people startled by our choices? For the good. Um, I'm sometimes startled by my kids' choices, but not necessarily. Okay, that was a bad, long time ago. 
they're pretty awesome. Tom Wright imagines what it would mean for us to believe in such a God and to live this way. He writes, if we lived in a society where everyone believed in this God that Jesus is talking about, there wouldn't be any violence. There wouldn't be any revenge. There wouldn't be any divisions of class or caste. And property and possessions wouldn't be nearly as important as making sure our neighbor was all right. Imagine if only a few people around us took Jesus seriously and lived like that. Life would be different. It would be exuberant. It would be astonishing. But we might say, well, who lives like that? When Jesus was struck on his cheek, he did not strike back. When they pulled off his outer garment and his shirt as well, he didn't retaliate. He didn't show love only to his friends and his followers. He showed it to his enemies and prayed for them. Jesus himself offered the life of which he spoke. He was the true embodiment of the God that he pointed to and talked about and wanted people to believe in. We get to live the way we believe, to live a life that reflects the one in whom we believe, who loves us more than we could ever imagine and loves everyone else the same. May we live so generously and love so graciously. Amen.